Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we get into this episode, some of the topics we discuss are sensitive. If you or a fellow teacher you know would like support, there are a couple of organisations that we will link in the episode description for you. Firstly, we have educationsupport.org.uk, whose helpline number is 08000 562 561. They are the only UK charity dedicated to supporting the mental health and well-being of education staff in schools, colleges and universities. Secondly, we have bbc.co.uk forward slash teach forward slash teacher dash support. This is a new support and wellbeing space to help teachers through the stress and pressure of the school year. Thanks for listening. Now let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to Non-Contact Time, a podcast about all things educational with Hannah and Kath. I'm Kath. I'm Hannah. And welcome to the show. So what's on the agenda today, Hannah? In data, we're going to speak about toxic positivity and how you can avoid this in your establishment. In teaching and learning, we're going to speak to Emily Dixon about well-being and mental health in schools. In pupils causing concern, we're going to hear a story from Emily. And in any other business, we're going to speak about how you can get involved in our upcoming episodes. In teaching and learning, we're going to talk about toxic positivity. So Kath, what is toxic positivity? You've probably seen on social media or on the internet, lots of places, all those beautiful inspirational quotes that tell you everything's going to be okay, or that classic cat hanging from the tree that says, hang in there. Toxic positivity has been a thing that's been trending recently because it's talking about how all of these messages telling us to be positive all the time are not necessarily the most helpful in certain situations. And I think particularly during this time of unprecedented circumstances, um, people are going to be feeling a range of emotions and they're going to be feeling lots of things. So turning around to someone and saying, buck up, chappy, isn't actually particularly helpful because it's just telling people to ignore what they're feeling. What psychologists have been saying is that if you ignore the feelings that you're feeling, whether they're negative or positive, 
over a period of time, it can actually make the problems bigger. Um, and one article actually suggests that it actually puts way too much responsibility on a person's shoulders because even if you aren't in control of everything in your situation, if you're just saying to someone, you need to be positive and everything will be fine, if it's a situation that's outside of your control, being positive isn't necessarily going to solve it. Um, lots of situations might include things like a chronic illness, or it could be depression, or it could be just feelings that you're having about your day and thinking, this is a problem that I can't solve by myself. Having someone tell you, if you're just positive, it will solve the problem, um, can make you feel really helpless. So, um, Hannah, can you think of any examples where you've encountered toxic positivity? I feel like this is often a well-meaning comment mm. to people who, when you feel that you don't know what to say in their circumstances, so if something that has upset somebody, I like to use distraction, so I will say, never mind, let's do something else instead. And after researching all this kind of stuff, it's made me realize that's not the best thing to do because I'm not acknowledging their feelings. And if people's feelings aren't acknowledged, they can feel like they don't know how to answer it. They've come to me for support and I'm just glossing over it and ignoring it. And then this, the problem still isn't solved. So having a look at certain phrases and certain things that we can talk about or talk with people will certainly help, especially if you're in my circumstances and you don't know what to say. So what kind of things can people say? I just wanted to follow on with what you said, first of all, because one of the things that psychologists say is that it takes away the validation of their feelings because we should be saying that it's okay not to be okay. That's the new inspirational phrase. But I think it's true. Having different emotions is really important because it adds texture to life. There's a podcast that I listen to all the time um, how to Fail with Elizabeth Day. It's amazing. And she always talks about life having textures. So if you have a bad moment, it actually makes the sweeter moments more sweet. Um, but if we aren't validating people's feelings, they can often add guilt to the other feelings that they're feeling. And I think this happens a lot in schools. Um, we're shocking for it because we're so busy. We just kind of go, oh, it'll be all right. And then we gloss over everything. So some phrases that we could use to help us with this situation are things like, instead of saying everything's going to be okay, you could say something like, I'm sorry to hear what you're going through. How can I help? Or I know you're going through a tough time, but I know you're strong. Um, it could be things like just saying things like it's normal to feel overwhelmed or confused or sad by the situation because I think all of the feelings that people feel are okay. I, I don't think it's wrong to say I'm feeling sad today, particularly if you're going through grief or you're sad about a situation. Um, there was an article that I was reading that was saying that there's actually no good or bad emotions. So one of the things you can use in your classroom, and actually I'm gonna be using for myself as well, is a thing called the mood meter. And you can actually track your moods using different apps. Um, I used to track mine with, um, an app called Pixel and you could color code your day. So if you had a really good day, you choose your favorite color. So my favorite color is red. So I'd, you know, red days were my happy days. I know it's a bit weird. Um, and then, you know, my bad days were kind of like a purpley color. And you could kind of then track and 
find trends in how you're feeling. So then you'd be able to identify negative thought trends and kind of go, why was I thinking that way? How can I change that for the future? So the mood meters also are on an axis and you can just look them up on Google if you type in mood meter, you can see the graphic and it has all different emotions. The yellow zone is high energy, high pleasantness. Green zone is low energy, but high pleasantness. The red zone is high energy, low pleasantness. And blue zone is low energy, low pleasantness. So it kind of shows on what extreme your emotions are existing. We're gonna be using it for students in my classes at the moment to create visual examples of their moods so that they can go, this is how I'm feeling at the moment. But then they can look back over their drawings over the year and go, oh, look at how things have changed. Oh, this is a trend or I feel these ways on these days. And it's to kind of visualize and get things off their chest because that's a big thing about the toxic positivity issue is it's not allowing people to get things off their chest. And we all know how much better we feel when we kind of have our rant get it out of our systems and then we feel better again, which I think is so important for teachers. And we've talked about it so many times in the podcast about debriefing. Sometimes we're just letting off steam and that means that we can go home and be a normal human being when we get home. So I think it's really important, particularly at the moment, to be thinking about how we're encouraging people to feel the emotions that they're feeling on a day-to-day basis. I think as well, with students I find, equipping them with the correct language to express themselves is a barrier sometimes. Students cannot express themselves properly. So that mood tracker Mm. is a really good idea because students can see what the emotions are and hopefully help that will help them articulate it. Because I find sometimes students can be upset for a reason and they don't know how to tell me that they're Mm. upset, they just bottle it up. So having the correct tools to deal with it is is a great idea. The great thing about the mood meter too is it has lots of words that represent their emotions so that they can actually name it. So it's like Mark Sparvel said, if you can name it, you can tame it. Um, He talked about that in one of the e-conferences I attended over the summer. And I really think that's true. If you can say, I'm feeling sad, it means that then you can work out how to get through that sadness and see the other end of it and sometimes going to feel it more than once. So I think toxic positivity is really relevant to schools because I think at this time we're all trying to be really really positive in schools but it's not necessarily a very positive time for teachers. So when I was looking at how this applies to a school environment I was looking at what a toxic school culture looks like and some of the things that show a a toxic culture is a lack of clear sense of purpose have norms that reinforce inertia discouraging collaboration and often have actively hostile relations among staff and what it suggests is that administrators or slt or the people in their school that run the school or governors kind of look at what aspects of a culture are harmful and should be changed and sometimes that's not particularly easy to put your finger on but it might be collecting data about how the staff is feeling about a certain issue because i i find that teachers tend to be quite diplomatic and instead of saying this is a terrible thing we'll say oh it's sort of useful or it's quite useful but that doesn't mean it actually is useful so it might be reading between the lines when doing staff surveys. Um, Another thing that um, suggests 
bringing a culture around to being positive is telling stories of accomplishment and collaboration whenever there's an opportunity. And I think because we're always so busy and there's always so much going on, we don't always have time to sit down and go, we've had real success by doing this. This student's come through this really tough period and achieved this. Um, we've seen this great work from these students. These teachers are doing this amazing thing that's supportive of students. And it's really hard to actually find the time to do that. In my previous school, we used to do something called ABCD. And every Friday, we'd have a briefing. And that briefing would be about normal stuff. About uh, We used to have a pastoral briefing on a Friday with all the staff but you would nominate a member of staff who's do, done something lovely or something brilliant that week and we would put it on the ABCD board which stood for above and beyond the call of duty. So oh. the kind of things that went on there were if you'd, te if you'd led an extracurricular club, hmm. someone might nominate you and said, you know, Hannah's done a choir this week and 30 people attended. That would be above and beyond because it's not part of your day-to-day -day teaching job. It might be that you have taken somebody's lunch duty because that person wasn't able to do it on that day. But it, it was so lovely because sometimes we'd have two full pages full of people who've done lovely things and it makes you feel like you're getting somewhere, like you're being recognised and it does make you positive. It was probably one of the times in the day where everybody was definitely going to be on time because they wanted to see if they were on the ABCD board. And I know it's only a small thing, but it only takes five minutes mm. to send it across to somebody and they collate it. And it really did make a difference to staff morale. And so many teachers do go above and beyond the call of duty on a regular basis. Being able to recognise that makes you feel motivated to do that more and more. Because I know in schools where they don't actually recognise all the extra work. You do feel quite discouraged and then you have moments of, why am I doing all this extra when nobody cares that I'm doing it and no one recognises that I'm doing it and it feels like you're getting nowhere. I know we get it from kids sometimes. I mean, this year I've gotten more thank you cards than I think I've ever gotten and I really appreciated all the thank you cards that I got from students because that's why we do it. But being able to have other people recognise the amount of work that we do is really, really useful. And I think that's particularly important for departments or people who work in isolation in the school. So people like our caretakers, they work by themselves often or TAs that work in so many different classrooms and we don't necessarily see everything that they're doing or even a department where they're quite isolated physically and you can't see all the things that they're doing it'd be really useful for those kind of situations so here's some suggestions of um, ways that you can cope better and rebuild after having a negative situation or a situation where you feel like you're really really overwhelmed so one thing is to not push the negative feelings away, feel them, um, know that life has texture and that it's totally fine to feel the way that you're feeling. It's so, such a normal part of life. We know as adults that it's okay to feel sad and to feel angry and to feel overwhelmed. And I think also communicating that with our students is really important. I know that I sometimes tell students about my bucket of patience that if I've had a really bad day, I'll say my bucket of patience today is empty, so I have no patience left. <laughs> but it's not your fault, so if I'm a bit snappy, that's the reason why I'm not actually angry at you. And students tend to be a lot more positive towards me because they know that I'm human and they know that 
I'm going through something. And I think building those positive relationships means they go, oh, they're having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. Look, same seas. Learn the difference between the things you can and cannot change. I think that's a really important piece of advice because there are going to be some things that we can change. And I mean, sometimes our attitude towards maybe a particular person could change or a particular situation could change, but that doesn't mean you can change every or solve every part of a problem. So that one's reminded me of some of the conversations we've had about social media and you can't change the irritating things that get put all over social media. However, you can decide to withdraw from it for a bit and that's okay. Things like that and news articles and some people have particularly found that a lot of the teacher bashing in the press has had an effect on their well-being mm. and it's okay just to switch off and not listen to it for a bit and then come back when you feel a bit more positive because I think we need we do need to do things for ourselves that make ourselves feel in a, in a better state at, at the end of the day. I agree with that totally. I switch off from social media and from the news quite often <laughs> um yeah particularly when um people are saying that we're not working enough when we know we're working so incredibly hard and i know there's a lot of teachers out there that have gone i've got to teach my lesson in person and online how am i going to do that um that's been really overwhelming for teachers because our workload has increased so much um so it's really important not to listen to what other people say on the internet um, it's important to identify and correct cognitive thinking errors. This is going to be harder to do with students, but it's easier to do for us as adults, particularly if you're using an app like Pixel. I think there is actually a mood meter for Apple as well. Um, but if you can track your emotions and then go, well, every Wednesday I feel this way for this reason. I know for me, I know this, the song says I don't like Mondays, but I don't like Tuesdays because of Mondays I feel quite reflect, refreshed from the weekend, whereas Tuesdays I'm like, oh, the weekend's so far away, <laughs> and I'm not feeling quite as, refresh, as refreshed as I was on a Monday, and I learnt that quite early on, so I do know that on a Tuesday I'm not as upbeat as I normally am. So you can actually look at your negative thinking patterns and then try to break them. And I think if you were working with a student closely, or you were seeing a student every day, it might be easier to actually go, do you know that you always feel this way about this situation? What can we do to change that situation? Or maybe there's a way that we can approach this situation in a different way. Um, it's really important to make people feel like they've been heard. And I think in a department that's really important because if someone's really unhappy, um, sometimes you just need to hear them out and listen to them but it's important to try to express emotions in a constructive way. And I think that's really important. I think teenagers particularly, and sometimes young, younger pupils, will express their way in quite dynamic, explosive ways. But if we could have conversations or even demonstrate how to have those conversations in a constructive way, you could even talk to a student and say, well, your actions have made me angry because of this, but what I'm going to do differently is this. Sometimes students can really appreciate that and then they can learn from your example. I think as well those types of situations for me occur when there's nothing I can do. As an experienced teacher it's quite easy for me to go through my bucket of strategies and get to the bottom of the bucket and think well I've still not solved the problem mm. so I will then go and speak to somebody else about it but if you're a student or if you're a 
a new teacher and you don't have all those strategies in place, it's really important that whoever listens to you doesn't just reply with the toxic positivity that we've talked about. Never mind, we'll sort it out another time. It needs to be, okay, this is what I would do, or what do you think? What have you tried? Let's talk it through because that's the way to solve the situation. Otherwise, it's just going to get frustrating for those mm. people. The one I hate is take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> and I'm always like, but I like salt. So <laughs> that doesn't really work. It's not a good analogy for me. I do quite like salt on my food. <laughs> the final piece of advice is if you need to seek professional help, you should. And I think with students particularly, it's often can be a safeguarding issue so we should be referring them on to safeguarding if you are lucky enough to have support staff that are there for emotional support for students also seek the advice from them but as professionals we should also be seeking advice so if we feel like there is no way that we can solve a problem or get any help there's places that you can go so you could contact your union um, you could talk to a mental health charity. And I know of teachers that have gone and sought um, counselling, but just for their own kind of well-being, it's, it's just so that they can kind of get things off their chest. It's not because they've got some deep emotional problem. It's just because they need to talk to someone or talk out a problem. Um, or it could be a coach or a mentor rather than a counsellor. It could be seeking out someone professional to go through your problems with. But um, it shouldn't be that you sit, sit by yourself, feel frustrated and think everyone's gonna say, oh, don't worry, it'll be okay. In teaching and learning, we're going to speak to Emily and she's going to share her experiences of leaving the teaching profession. On today's show, we're talking to Emily, who is an ex-teacher and used to be in a leadership position, but is now moving into looking at and raising awareness of teachers' mental health. Welcome to the show, Emily. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So here are our five questions, our famous five questions. So in five words, describe teaching to you. Wonderful, privilege, tough, scary and achievement yeah they're good in five words describe the best type of student to teach willing open-minded i suppose is one word because you can put a little thing in the middle ready real and imperfect yeah like definitely so what is your classroom pet peeve yeah it's you'll understand this one hannah it's the headphones it's the headphones having to just constantly remind students to put the headphones back, it's just not that hard. It's not that hard. You, you, you manage to leave them on the table in front of the keyboard. Maybe you could just stretch your arm two centimeters more and put them back on the head, on the on the back of the keyboard for me. That'd be great. But no, I, that seems to be that seems to be a really a really difficult task. It's interesting how they can write really eloquent sentences and they can play musical instruments really well, but they're just incapable of putting stuff back where they got it from. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, really simple. it's just the very simplest thing. And I always start every lesson by saying, whatever you get out, you know, you got to put back because I'm only one person. And what I do is I kind of, I know this is again kind of going off on a tangent, but what I do is I really try and make that whole thing about a community, a collaborative effort. You know, you walked in and it's tidy, let's walk out exactly the same. And it's just tiny little things that don't quite match or compute in the middle. Uh, and I end up with a really messy classroom. 
<laughs> I, I totally understand. So what do you do to look after your own mental health and to pull on mine? Well, I was recently diagnosed with bipolar, which is uh, one of the reasons I'm no longer in teaching. So I have to really concentrate and really pay attention to how I achieve balance quite a lot every day. So that kind of, um, it's, it's a recent diagnosis, so I'm only just kind of getting used to what that means, what it looks like. So I'm really aware of having to look after my mental health uh, daily. So ways in which I do it, I've learned the hard way, I have to say, but by really choosing to focus on what I can control right now. So I don't spend time, well, it's easier said than done, but I try not to spend time focusing on what I can't control and focusing on what I can control right minute by minute sometimes. And in that moment, finding something that I love that's going to raise my vibrations, if you like, I'm going to bring me out of that kind of low, dense energy that maybe I find myself in through no fault of you know my own. It's just the way my brain works sometimes. When I do recognise that, being able to lift myself out of that, maybe by doing music, obviously, um, by spending time with my partner and just completely disconnecting from, like you turn off the news. That's a big, important move. Turn off the news. You know, shut down your social media for a little bit and just don't allow yourself to engage and respond. And when we see ourselves as uh, an observer rather than a responder sometimes, a lot of that pressure kind of relieves from us because often we see something, don't we, often, and we want to respond to it really, like kind of straight away, something on social media we don't agree with or something that's kind of getting us um, maybe anxious. And we want to respond to it. And actually there's real power in not responding and allowing yourself to observe that and, and disconnect. And I'm saying all of that as if it's something really easy, but it's not that easy, but it's important that we can remember that every moment is new. The next minute is, we don't have to wait for the next day for it to be a new chance. Every next minute, every next moment is a new chance. So I'm living by that really at the minute. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is something kind of really quite, that's, that's really helped me just focusing on not what's to come, not what's happened already. I can't I can't control those two things, but I can control what I'm doing right now. There's power in that. I think even being able to recognise um, what you can control and what you can't control, for some people, just being able to recognise those two things is going to make a massive difference to their day. I think as well, when you have a mountain of things that have built up over a period of time and you haven't had time to stop and think and you haven't had time to, you've missed the warning signs sometimes. And when the right, when the red flags start um, get, getting ignored and it's not, you're not ignoring them on purpose, sometimes you are, but you're not ignoring them on purpose through circumstance and through situations. So as teachers, we work every day and there's a new thing every couple of minutes that we have to make a decision on. And when I say something like, oh, I can control my next moment, that's because I've had time off so I'm, I've had that time to be able to reflect. Whereas I've fully acknowledged that when you're working full time, something I've found the hard way is that when the balance becomes off kilter, you can't make those, oh, I'm going to control the next moment decisions because mm. you've got a mountain of everything already piled up. And it only takes one thing to then break that, the you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back, whatever. It takes one thing. And... Um, and for me, you know, I suffered a breakdown in October, which was purely out of work-related uh, stress. And because I have bipolar, the balance became 
so imbalanced it it, it means I, I I'm not, not in my job that I love now so I'm kind of sitting here going I know everything that I need to do now I could quite easily worry about what's next what's what's coming up but what I know is I can control right now and whatever comes comes that perspective and hearing it from somebody else because I'm sure that validates and resonates with a lot of people to take either that positive step towards making themselves in a better space or you know it, it's the the confidence that somebody else has said well I've done it and look at where I am now I think that will really mm-hmm. help a lot of members of staff I think that's where the crux of the matter the crux of the problem is is because everyone's feeling this and we've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and offered solutions here and there but we're still we're still talking about it years and years later and and for me we need to get to the the root of the problem as to why you know why for example do you do a concert you throw everything into it and then you spend half term ill asleep there's no consistency in how teachers are looked after teachers need to be looked after better how do you think we can change that cycle of staff so it comes back to the the question that we ask which is what would you do to change education well having had a lot of time off recently I've, I've made a long list I think it's you know for me it's a system problem the the problem is with the education system where the focus has changed from um, what I signed up to do as a teacher which is to change young people's lives the focus has shifted somewhat from that to a lot of exam pressure, progress eight pressure, Ofsted pressure. And through no fault of their own, school leaders have felt that pressure. And as a result, remember what I was saying before about reacting and, and not reacting. Teachers react. They've, re- they've responded. And like I said, it's not their fault, but the pressure does come from top down. And what I would like to see is for school leaders to reconsider what environment they're creating for everybody who's in in that building. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your experiences in schools over your career? Yeah, I trained in Bristol as a music teacher about 11 years ago. So 11, 12 years ago, and then I stayed in Bristol. So I got my first job there, loved it. was in a brilliant school for about eight years and then relocated to Leicester. So that's where I've been working recently uh, as um, mainly the head of department. And then recently on working with SLT. Why do you think teachers are leaving the profession? I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons. There's a lot of it is well-being. And once you've signed up, once you get into the teaching profession, it maybe isn't what you thought it was going to be, uh, which is a real shame. I think working in schools is tough. And I think you have to be a special kind of person to, to be able to see it out. And I think, um, sadly, more and more teachers aren't making the five-year mark. It's a real shame and there's a real problem. We need to hold on to good teachers because many teachers like me started the profession, really, really good teachers, but for one reason or another are leaving the profession. And it's those one reason or another's that need to be seriously looked at because it keeps happening and the gaps keep getting shorter from training to leaving. You know, we don't really have very many 20-year teachers anymore. Um, I just about made it at 10, I think, and now I think people think that's quite long. I think it's really important that people who have been in the profession longer offer their their help to new teachers and just start in the profession. It's a kind of more coaching uh, relationship because you need that one person to go, oh my goodness, is this actually what happens? You know, you need that person to be able to go, "Uh, this happened at work and I'm not sure if this is right, but I don't want to say anything because I'm scared 
to say something because what will that look like? You know, we need to have more of a, a better relationship and sharing our maturity in, in that sense. What advice would you give to teachers who want to change careers or feel at the moment that they're not, they're not entirely satisfied with being a teacher or being in the education system? Yeah, I feel it. I understand you. I see you. So what advice would you give to teachers who want to change careers or branch out from education? I would say do whatever you know is going to make you happy and don't stay in a job that you're unhappy in. But at the same time, I do think that, um, you know, I, I completely get that that point of where you, you want to leave, but you feel maybe you're trapped in your profession a bit because let's face it, the, you know, the more responsibility you have, it, you know, the salary is pretty decent in, in, in some senses. Uh, and that's a really big thing to consider dropping. I am in a position where I don't have children, so I don't have to think necessarily about the consequences there, but at the same time, I don't have a job to go to either. So you have to be brave and follow because you know I can read as many of those lovely um, inspirational quotes as, as I like, but to actually start believing that I am brave and that I have done the right thing and I'm following my heart, you know, to actually kind of believe that and live with that belief is, is easier said than done really. But from a position of somebody who has made that step and knows that despite it, this, the future being uncertain, I know I'm in a better place for it. So I would always, you know, fully advocate if you're unhappy, you need to address why you're unhappy. And if that's something that can be easily fixed, brilliant. If that's something that's a bigger problem, then sometimes you, you do need to make those bold moves in order to, to create your, you know, the future that you want. Well, thinking about the environments that we're working in and um, we're talking about them being corporate and quite toxic, mm. what would be a really good piece of advice to give to leaders to try and switch it around to make it more positive and compassionate? Yeah, it starts with the person leading the school, retraining people, on, and I know it sounds silly, but literally training people on how to have compassionate conversations. Um, I've been in so many meetings or one-to-one -one meetings where I felt like I am being told off. Nobody should be telling me off and nobody should be shouting at me because if anybody raises their voice, that says more about that person raising their voice in that moment than it does about me receiving it. However, I didn't always have that opinion and I didn't always have that understanding. So I would find myself maybe bursting into tears in the middle of a meeting because I felt like I was being told off. Now I'm not the only person that that's happened to, but you need to understand that that has an effect and an impact that lo that is lasting. If you, you know, we don't consider the person we are speaking to. We just think I've got a problem and I need to let them know that I've got a problem with that because this needs dealing with right now, right? Mm -hmm. Not if I speak about this issue, will that cause a reaction to, in that person? Uh, what's going on for them? Do I know what's going on for them? Why don't I know what's going on for them? You know, we should know who we're talking to. I'm not saying personal details should be should be shared openly and publicly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying have some compassion, <laughs> have some thought for the compassion, for the impact of what you're saying. So, you know, so leaders need to train their staff. If there's an if there's a if there's a a gap there like that's identified, they just, they, we need to retrain people on how to speak to each other properly. 
you know i think it's not even just speaking like you said earlier it's the emails as well yeah that you can get an people need to be aware of the way that they've written an email and the tone of the email because sometimes when you're asking for something it can be an accusation or it could be um, the way it's written makes it seem like the person you're writing to has made some sort of mistake when actually what you're doing is you're having a discussion about how to solve a problem it's not about pointing the finger or putting blame on someone it's about solving a problem together and if you're not aware of that in your email that's going to have an impact on the other person we need to eradicate gaslighting from teachers mm. it is so prevalent you know, it's an email that arrives in your inbox and it makes you feel sick. We've got to have these difficult conversations though, don't we? If we're going to move forward and make a positive change within the system, because it is the system, like you said, that is not working to its best at the moment. Emily, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I think there's a lot of things that we need to think about in terms of teacher wellbeing. And I don't think this is going to be the end of the conversation. In fact, I think it's just going to be a starting point for our conversations on our podcast, at least. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. In Pupils Causing Concern, Emily is going to share one of her stories. I think the day I learned a very big lesson about how accents can be misinterpreted was uh, during a very early on in my career lesson when I was telling the class off for their bad behaviour, although I chose to use, uh, I cannot believe your poor behaviour in a typical Northeast accent. Every kid fell about laughing, saying I'd called them pooers. And uh, from that day on, I changed my accent to poor and I've never looked back. (laughs) So in next week's episode, we're going to be talking to David Weston from the Teacher Development Trust. Um, I know from first-hand experience that they provide all this amazing CPD. There was so much free online workshops that you could engage with. Um, during lockdown but they also have some CPD coming up so it's worth going on their website and checking out what they've got they also do benchmarking so you can see how much your school spends on CPD against other schools in the country but it's a really great resource and you can hear more about it in our upcoming episodes if you've had any examples of great CPD we'd love to hear about them so that we can share them on social media as well Um, We find out a lot from social media and from the things that people post. So thank you to everyone that shares with us. But if you do have anything that you want to share with us that we can put on the show, we would love to hear about it. And also don't forget that you can get in contact with us on social media at non-contact time. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, And you can also email us on noncontacttime at gmail.com. If you would like to donate so that we can get CAF a decent microphone, have a look at the ACAS supporter tool and we'll link it below in the description. We're also planning some workshops and things in the future. And if we've got some money to do that, we really want to get more people involved. And we're looking at hopefully trying to debrief with people in the future, but we can't do that without your generous donations. So we'd really, really appreciate them. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.